Blog Talk Radio. Interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is the Kerry Edelman Show. Hey everyone, I am super excited tonight as we have Chris Volt, the vocalist coming on from the hard rock metal band Flaw tonight. So it's going to be a real honor to have him on. We're going to do a great interview with him tonight and go over his musical journey and how he got into the industry. Um, Before I bring him on, just want to introduce people to my show. I started this show six years ago because I really wanted to create a forum where I could bring on entertainers to help support and promote them. Um, I know how challenging it can be for people to get the name out there and uh, who they are and what they're doing. So that's what this show is truly all about. A little bit about my background. I have a doctorate in psychology, and one of the things I just love doing, too, is interviewing people. I really take people on a different, unique journey, and uh, my style is, is definitely a little different than other people's out there. So I really want to incorporate my support of the industry and my background in interviewing. Although I mentioned I have a background in psychology, I always throw out there that my show is purely an entertainment show. We're not doing formal therapy or diagnosis. Um, we do sometimes talk about psychological terms in an educational format if it's applicable. But other than that, um, this isn't a show, as I mentioned, that does any type of therapy. So if you're tuning in tonight, please create a Blog Talk Radio account by going to blogtalkradio.com. And also, it's just an honor, as I said, to have Flaw on. They're going to join some of the many other bands I've interviewed, including Tremonti, Trivium, Sick Puppies, um, Lacey Sturm of Flyleaf, Otherwise Dead, and Star Set, to name a few. So please check out the podcast. They're all available. You can download them on iTunes or my show and uh, listen to some of the interviews. So let's do a nice introduction for Chris and the band, and then we're going to bring them on. So Flaw definitely has an interesting story. These guys formed two decades ago, and uh, the band has endured major success with their earlier albums, Through the Eyes and Endangered Species, where they had singles such as Whole, Payback, Recognize, um, all three of those hit in the Billboard charts. And despite having a hiatus for almost 10 years, um, where Chris Voltz was also involved in other projects, such as Five Bolt Main and the solo artist project he was doing, um, where he released an album titled Redemption, I really truly believe from what I've read about these guys and just really having a passion for their music that they've proven time and time again with the role of dedication, drive, and perseverance can truly show, and they continue to be a major force to be reckoned with when it comes to the entertainment industry. So when you hear Chris's vocals, I mean, one of the things that comes to my mind is just they're just emotional, they're deep, um, I mean, they're truly hypnotic and magnetic. They truly draw the audience in. And the musicianship with the other members really also creates this unique sound that you immediately know it's flawed when you hear them playing. So tonight we are going to promote their new EP that's coming out titled United We Stand. It is a follow-up to the album Divided We Fall, which was released a year ago, and it's, that's a phenomenal album too. So if people don't have that, definitely pick a copy of that up. And you'll also get an exclusive opportunity tonight to hear their song, I'll Carry You, on this show before the EP gets released on September 1st. Once again, too, thank you to social media coordinator Heather, Heather sorry, Nawara from Pavement Entertainment for uh, setting up this interview. All right, so let's bring Chris on. Hey, Chris, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. No problem. Thank you for having me. 
Absolutely, absolutely. So let's start. I always like to just do some background, and then we're, of course, going to get into Flaw, the new album you have coming out. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself just, you know, growing up. And I did do some, you know, research and stuff. So, of course, share what you feel comfortable with. But tell me a little bit about yourself as a kid. Like, how would you describe your personality? And bring in some interest if you were into sports or, you know, anything like that before we really get involved in how you became passionate about music. Okay, well, um, let's see. Um, I was uh, I was a very energetic child uh, from the very beginning. Um, you could say I was pretty hyperactive, actually. Um, okay. Uh, I was I, <laughs> I, I was blessed with parents who um, who uh, were smart enough not to, you know, uh, pump me full of uh, a bunch of different psych meds, which is kind of the you know popular uh, popular thing these days. Um, you know, thank right. God because it didn't you know it didn't kill my creative drive. Um, uh, I was definitely into sports. I was also into music. My parents put me in music lessons at a young age. Um, you know, I took lessons in everything from drums to uh, classical guitar. Um, uh, you know, took some voice lessons. And um, just always really, uh, you know, felt a really strong personal connection uh, to music. Um, and uh, it wasn't until about maybe, I think I was maybe 14 uh, or 15 uh, is when I started to to actually feel like, it was something I might be able to do as a career. Um, okay. Now, it, and, it, and Chris, it wasn't, real quick, not, yeah. not to interrupt you, but let's digress a little bit back when you said, you know, let's talk about some sports, like what were you involved in? You know, give us some information, and then, of course, we're going to get into the music and hone in on that. So what types of sports were you okay. interested in? What did you excel at? Uh, well, um, my parents put me in soccer at a very young age, um, and uh, I played soccer um, – for probably about 10 or 11 years. Um, uh, I really excelled at that. Um, cool. I uh, uh, played on a uh, select travel team that went all up and down the East Coast, um, uh, you know, playing tournaments. Um, mm-hmm. I also played uh, ice hockey, ice hockey for a little while, and I played football for a little while. Nice. And what position did you play in soccer? Uh, soccer, I played many different positions. Um okay. started me off at uh, – uh, started me off at left wing um, you know, because I was ambidextrous. Uh, I was equally as good at both feet. Um, cool. And uh, then moved, and then they moved me back to sweeper because of my speed. Uh, and then eventually I switched to goalie, um, which I was basically wow. uh, um, I excelled at that also. Um, but I was a multifunctional um, multifunctional player. I could I could play offense, defense, or 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 goal. That's great. And it sounds like, I mean, kind of to make it just a, a transition and we'll talk a little bit more about it. Similarly, it sounds like with music too, drums, classical guitar. So that's just phenomenal that you were able, like you said, to have this kind of multifaceted aspect about yourself. That's really cool. So growing Absolutely. up too, in, were you someone who liked school, you know, tell us a little bit about growing up with school something, or were you more kind of inter- interested in sports and, and the arts? Uh, well, school was, school was kind of interesting for me. Um, I, okay. I, uh, it, it, okay. Uh, let's put it this way. Um, okay. I, I, I almost got expelled from, I think it was like fourth grade or something like that because, um, my teacher said I was acting out too much in class. And so my parents got called to the principal's office a number of times. You know, I was going to a standard public school, not far from, uh, you know, the house I grew up in. And, um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, basically, you know, my parents sat down in those meetings and, you know, they knew how I was at home and they knew, 
um, uh, about my personality. And so they basically, you know, told the teachers like, look, you know, he doesn't have a problem. He's just bored. And so the school right. agreed, right. you know, to, to put me through a whole bunch of testing, um, okay. as far as, you know, aptitude and intelligence testing. Um, and, uh, you know, not to try to sound cocky cause I hate even saying it like this, but, no, no, but go ahead. um, I, I, I basically scored off the charts. And so mm-hmm. they were going to put me in like some kind of like punishment school, you know, like a secondary school because I was acting out a lot. And instead they decided to send me to a uh, tag school, um, in Annapolis, Maryland, the, uh, Francis Scott key school, which is, you know, for talented and gifted kids. And it was there that I really started to excel because, you know, classrooms weren't 20, challenging enough, 30 kids right? in a classroom. Well, right. In the public school right. forum, you know, you know, 20 or 30 you know, kids in a class, one teacher, teachers overwhelmed. Right. Everybody follows the same, you know, curriculum. Everybody is expected to move at the same pace, but mm-hmm. you know, at this tag school, there were smaller classes where one teacher had, you know, eight or 10 kids and every child was allowed to, you know, progress at his or her own pace. And nice. so, so that, that's where I really started to excel. I was in, I mean, you know, my freshman year of high school, I was in, I was in college English class. Um, oh my gosh. And they were, you know, able, you know, they were able to order books in for me and stuff. Whereas, you know, in a regular school, you know, in a regular public school, you just, you know, you're either, uh, right. <laughs> you're just bored well, because, you know, if you're moving too fast and you're right. not, you know, staying at the same pace as the other kids, um, then, you know, you start acting out and right. that's, you know, thank God, you know, my parents were smart enough, um, you know, to basically put me through those tests and then, and then, uh, you know, put me in a tag school. And, um, that's where music really started to take off for me too, was in a tag school because they had, you know, they had so many um, extracurricular uh, extracurricular activities that, you know, regular public schools don't have. Um, right. And, and their music program, uh, you know, was huge. It took up several periods a day if you wanted it to. Um, you know, I learned how to read and write sheet music, um, all that stuff. And so, so it started to progress from there. Um, and, uh, but I still kind of, I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, I still kind of had a, you know, problem with authority for a while when I was growing mm-hmm. up. Um, okay. Um, uh, not because I, you know, didn't like authority. I just, I kind of started acting out at, at about the age of uh, 11 or 12. Um, I lost my mom to suicide at that age. And, uh, I know. I'm, you know, I'm basically, so sorry, Chris. It, I just wanted to give my well, condolences. Yeah, I, it I read about that and yeah, I'm just I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, so I can understand, I empathize, I'm sure with the turmoil and just emotional stuff you were going through. What, um, yeah, I mean, it basically just took my entire world that I thought existed and flipped it upside down. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it kind of forced me to ask questions that I probably wouldn't have or forced me to challenge things that I probably wouldn't have. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, you know, it took a while. Um, you know, once again, my dad, on the other hand, you know, I give him, I give him all the credit in the world, you know, instead of just expecting me to deal with it, um, you know, at the advice of, you know, his friends and other people, um, you know, he put me in therapy right away so that I okay. was able to actually find, you know, I was able to find an outlet. Um, and that's mm-hmm. really when my whole love for poetry and my love for putting my feelings down on paper, that's really where that blossomed. That's really where I that's learned cool. how to do that and learned about how much of a, 
you know, an important, you know, outlet and release that is, you know, for anybody. Right. Um, sure. Um, was he, um, and, did that, that one of the things that the therapist did with you is try to do bibliotherapy or encourage you to kind of, like you said, write your feelings down, express yourself? Yeah, absolutely. That was, uh, that was uh, one of the, it was one of the main exercises we did. Um, I mean, I wasn't able to actually really come to terms with her death until I was able to sit down and write a letter to her about how I was feeling about the whole situation. Right. And, you know, so that really um, not only helped me emotionally, you know, it helped me deal with it emotionally, it helped me process it emotionally and, and uh, psychologically, but it also opened my eyes to how important a process like that is in everybody's life, mm-hmm. you know, no matter whether it was dealing with a parental suicide or dealing with, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, your parents getting divorced when you were a young age or dealing with any kind of abuse or, sure. or um, I mean, anything like any that. Kind of, any kind of uh, trauma. I realized how right. important it was. Right, any right. kind of trauma, absolutely, because the brain doesn't really understand how to process it. Um, and, you know, out of reaction, you, you know, um, out of like a defense mechanism, um, you try to push it down or you try to excuse it away or you try to act like it doesn't bother you. And, you know, unfortunately, even though that might work for a short time, it never works right. in the long run. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because when people right, like you're saying, when people repress <clears throat> stuff or even suppress it, right, it's going to start seeping out in other areas where you just, you know, yeah. right, the emotions start to build up. And whether someone goes into using substances or, as you said, acting out in varieties of fashions, right. So I think that's that's great that your dad did that for you because, I mean, your music, and we'll get into that. I mean, it's just, it's so relatable. And, I mean, you know, while it's it has a lot of depth and emotional emotionality on it, it's also very hopeful. And I think it really exudes a lot of strength and positivity. And, I mean, that's something that I personally get from it. And I've been, I'll be honest, listening to um, Divided We Fall and United We Stand nonstop for like the past week since I got it. And it's it's just great. It really is. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Absolutely. So just on Poland, your mom was actually an operatic singer, singer correct? Yeah. Um, you know, she wasn't, uh, you know, selling millions of records, um, you know, but right. she did. Uh, she did travel around um, on the amateur circuit um, for uh, for uh, many years. And, um, okay. and, you know, there's there's not a day that goes by that that I can't remember. Well, I actually I can't remember a day, uh, you know, when she was alive where she wasn't singing (laughs) um you know even just around the house um but uh you know she performed with uh uh with a couple different amateur opera groups and um and uh i got to see her perform on stage as a young child and and uh always thought that that was you know extremely amazing and and uh and uh yeah you know she's the one that actually uh you know taught me about scales um Mm -hmm. i mean you know even at like three or four years old, you know, she's giving me a bath, you know, she's singing and I'm trying to sing with her. And so I really started developing my voice at a really young age and didn't even know it. That's great. And what was, do you remember like the pivotal moment? Like I know you grew up with music as, as you know, in your house with your mother singing and her being involved in it, but was there like a certain moment where it clicked for you, even as a little kid where you kind of started to think, you know, I want to do this, you know, did you listen to a certain rock band? Did you see something on TV or was it just, your mom's passion for it that really kind of drove you towards it? Well, I think it was, I think it was a combination of a few things. Um, I mean, you know, her passion definitely, um, you know, played a, 
a large factor in it. Um, uh, my dad also, you know, told me a lot when I was growing up um, that um, uh, it's more important to find something you want to do for a career that makes you happy than it is to, you know, find anything else. Um, if you, you know, if you love what you do, then you never truly work a day in your life. And that always, you know, kind of stuck with me. Um, and uh, so that combined with my mom's passion um, and, uh, you know, my dad's work ethic and, 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 you know, his never give up attitude that he instilled in me. Um, it, it, it really, I think the first band that really grabbed me to the point where I felt emotion strong enough to say, um, or, you know, to think to myself that, mm-hmm. uh, um, you know, this is something I want to do. This is something I would, you know, love to be able to emulate one day would, it, it would have to be Steve Perry from journey. Um, okay, cool. I mean, just the way that he delivered, um, you know, his notes, um, the way that he wrote his melodies, um, it, it, he really made me feel like I was feeling what he was feeling. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that, you know, I kind of thought to myself, I think I was probably maybe 12 or 13, but, you know, at that time I thought to myself, you know, if, if I could do that, then that would be the most amazing thing on the planet. And, uh, so, you know, hopefully I've, I've at least come close. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how surreal is it to like, I mean, just thinking where you are now and like reflecting back, like to that little boy who is like thinking like that, like what comes, to, you know, what comes to mind? Like what feelings do you, do you ever sit there and be like, Oh my gosh, like I did it. Cause you did do it. I mean, you've put out some phenomenal work. You're continuing to put out amazing music with you and the, the guys. Um. I mean, I really don't, uh, I, I, I try to stay as humble as possible if you want the truth. Sure. And, and I don't, um, I mean, it's weird. Like I'll have people ask me all the time, you know, is it weird listening to yourself? And I mean, you know, sometimes it is, um, but I really don't, I mean, unless I'm working on new material or we're in the studio and, you know, I have to go over songs, you know, to review the mixes and the levels and to, you know, verify that I'm actually, you know, doing what I, you know, want to be doing any song vocally. Um, right. I don't really listen to myself much. Um, it just, it, think, it, it's not. Um, yeah, I think, I, I didn't know, mean, maybe I didn't frame it the right way. I didn't mean listening to yourself. I just mean in almost like that experience where you pinch yourself and you're like, kind of like I did this. I'm doing what I love for a living. Like I'm trying to say, like, just reflecting. Do you sit there for a minute and sometimes say, wow, like I did this. Like this is what I wanted to do for a living and I'm here. You know, I, I think a lot of people in the entertainment industry sometimes when I hear interviews will say, you know, I never thought I'd get here and I did do it and I still can't believe I'm here. It's almost just like that surreal, like I said, feeling that you get. Maybe not. Um, no, I mean, I do, you know, I do feel like that sometimes. Um, I, 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 you know, the way my thought process works, I, I like, I, I really still don't feel like I've done everything that I can. And I don't feel like, you know, my journey's over. Um, so even though I am definitely proud of everything I've done, um, I was raised to be careful with pride, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it can, you know, it can manifest itself into a lot of negative things like ego. Um, sure. And, uh, sure. Yeah. So, so I, I really try to kind of not focus on that a whole lot. <laughs> okay. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. I, I think – 
I'm just meaning more or less being proud of yourself. And I think you are proud of yourself. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely proud about, of myself. Yes. Yeah. I'm not talking about the arrogance and the narcissism, like you said, and, and that type of stuff, just more of like being able to be just really comfortable with yourself and, and happy with what you've done. And like you said, the journey's not over. It's, it's still something you're going to be moving forward with, I'm sure for a very long time. So cool. Uh, yes, you absolutely. Don't mind me asking, what did you, what did your, what does your dad do for a living or what did he do for work? Uh, well, he, um, he was in the military for a while, uh, the army. Okay. Um, and then, uh, and then he was a, uh, journalist, um, for, uh, pretty much God, almost as long as I can remember. Um, he worked yeah. for the, uh, Washington, uh, the Washington Bureau of the New York daily news. He covered the justice department, the Pentagon, the white house. Um, wow. And um, and and uh, he wrote a nonfiction book uh, about the military based on contacts he had made when he worked for the Newark News um, out of uh, out of New Jersey. Um, uh, so he was a writer. So I did learn a lot about writing from him. Right. Also. That's great. Yeah. Wow, really cool. And now, were you in the military too? Did you go to uh, military no. school? Yeah, yeah. I attended military school. Um, uh, I didn't go. I didn't go active enlist. Um, okay. Uh, that was that was you know kind of the path that my dad had kind of <laughs> you know hoped for me because if you do um, if you do four years of Army high school and you only have a short stint to do of uh, college ROTC and then you go direct active enlist as as a uh, second lieutenant. So um, it's what a lot of um, um, a lot of people that don't go through that process that just enlist in boot camp out of high school they call them butter bars. <laughs> okay. Because um, uh, it's like a reference to the fact that they kind of ease their way in, and they already have rank. Um, so I wasn't I wasn't butter bars, but I did learn a lot of uh, really incredible things um, in that academy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, I was I didn't go there um, uh, of my own choice initially. <laughs> right. Um, right. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean it. Um, my dad thought it was the best thing for me. And, you know, looking back on it now, I agree with him. But at the time, I was a little upset that I didn't get to hang out in my, you know, home base neighborhood with all my friends. <laughs> right. Now, was this after the tag, now, the tag school? Did you graduate? Like, was that through high school? You graduated that and then you went into the military school? Um, no, the tag school was actually, um, that was grades like, I want to say four through eight. Oh, okay. And then the okay. military, gotcha. yeah, and then the military school was just high school grades. Okay, so you graduated from the military <clears throat> school for your high school. Yeah. Good. Okay. And again, thank you, of course, to you for everything you've done, and of course to your father for his service. Of course, um, I know you speak about some of that stuff, especially in that song "Fed Up." I know in the introduction to that song, you're, you know, giving up. Thanks for people in the service. Uh, well, yeah, I mean that's something. Um, that I mean, you, you know, do, I have right. a lot of family members that served. Um, okay. I still have a lot of friends that are active, a lot of friends that did serve, a lot of friends that are still in. Um, and uh, I mean, uh, uh, my grandfather growing up, who was a very influential uh, role model on me, also was a uh, parole officer. So I mean, just you know, uh, public service as a whole. Um, mm-hmm. After. Uh, um, actually, when I first moved to Louisville, um, I worked on a special police unit for a little while. Um, I worked for a couple uh, detective agencies, 
Um, and uh, I just always have felt that public service is extremely important, whether it's, you know, whether it's first responders, law enforcement, uh, fire department, um, EMS, or whether it's our U.S. military. I, I, I think that's the backbone of our country. And so I want to always do as much as I can to uh, support everybody that, um, um, that, you know, protects us. Definitely. Definitely. I agree with you. And I can't talk about my stuff on the air, but I also have some relationship with public service stuff. So I absolutely agree with you. And I can't tell you how much respect I have for all the different disciplines. Um, yeah, it's, it's very important to support them. I agree. Absolutely. So, so let's do this. So let's start talking a little bit about you were getting into, you know, 14, 15, you start to really, you know, hone in on that you wanted to do music for a living. This is something you're, you know, going to be pursuing. So why don't you start talking a little bit about that? And then we can get into um, how you eventually met, you know, Jason uh, Dawn from what became Flaw and start getting into the formation of Flaw and, you know, going through a little bit of the history with it. Uh, okay. Well, um, let's see. I, you know, I started getting into, um, um, you know, bands just in the neighborhood with friends of mine and stuff um, uh, around that age, um, you know, 12, 13, 14. Um, and, uh, um, you know, just started writing my own material, started, uh, you know, learning other people's songs. Um, I, I think everybody kind of starts off, you know, uh, learning covers. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, so it progressed from there to, uh, my first serious band, um, was when I was living, uh, in, uh, Asbury Park, New Jersey. Um, this was probably back in, uh, probably back in the early nineties. Um, and that's where... Okay you know, we started actually getting actual, uh, you know, what you would consider an actual gig. Um, the first, first venue I actually ever played at was a stone pony in Asbury park. Nice. Um, now I'm which, very familiar with it. Which, are you from, Chris, yeah, real quick, sure. if you let me ask you, are you from New Jersey or no, 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 I was born okay. in Baltimore. I grew up, I grew up in Maryland, um, uh, in a uh, buoy, Maryland, not far from the Chesapeake Bay. My dad worked in Washington, DC. Okay. Um, but, but I have a lot of family. Um, I mean, I grew up spending almost every holiday. Um, my uh, my grandparents lived in uh, Maplewood, New Jersey, and mm-hmm. I have I have a lot of cousins and aunts and uncles that uh, live in the Montclair area. So okay. Okay. I'm very familiar with it. And um, uh, we had a family friend who uh, lived in Asbury Park, um, and uh, so I basically wanted to change the scenery and. Uh, you know, when I turned 18, I moved up there and spent a couple of years up there. Okay, cool. What was the name of the first band that you played at the Stone Pony with? <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't like, I didn't actually vote for the name. Uh, that's why I okay. laughed about it. Even all the, all these years later, I was outvoted. Right. Um, the band, uh, <laughs> um, the band was called Terminus. Terminus. Okay. Which, okay. Yeah. Which, which is basically, <laughs> I mean, I looked up the meaning uh, I was always, you know, a really um, adamant about meanings that, uh, you know, were solid. Um, sure. And I looked sure. up what it, I looked up what it meant, and it meant, you know, the last stop on a train station. <laughs> I was like, uh, all right, guys, we can't come up with something better than this. <laughs> yeah. So okay, so you you did some, you did show at the pony, which is really cool. That's where you're kind of getting your feet wet, so to speak. And so how yep. long is it after that before you eventually answer it? Wasn't it an ad that you somehow saw that Jason put out? Yeah. Well, um, 
uh, I moved to Louisville, Kentucky, because I had some relatives there that I had never met. Okay. Um, yeah, and uh, and so that's kind of how my whole existence in the Louisville area um, happened. That was that was probably the uh, it's probably like ninety five, ninety six, um, and uh, you know I got a job when I moved there. Um, you know, kind of fell in love with the city. It's a very cool city. Uh, mm-hmm. And what were you, uh, um, you know, quick, what were you doing for work? Uh, well, the first job I got when I moved there, I was uh, the assistant manager of a Chevron gas station. Um, okay, nice. <laughs> which, which I didn't really like much at all. Um, and then uh, I switched over. Um, I worked for an armored truck company for a little while. Um, and, uh, from there is when I got hired on, um, to be a special police officer at the university of Louisville hospital. Uh, and I did that for a couple of years. Um, and that's when I had kind of taken a hiatus from music because I, you know, I needed to focus on work. And, um, as most people know, um, Mm -hmm. unless you're at a certain level, you know, music doesn't really pay the bills. So, um, I basically kind of, you know, took a hiatus from it for several years. Uh, and then I decided, you know, Hey, I started getting the itch to get back into it. Um, this was probably about 96, 97. Um, and I picked up, uh, one of the, um, uh, you know, like the artsy fartsy magazines or whatever. Yeah. Kind of like the Aquarian, you know, number New Jersey right. had that Aquarian. Right. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's actually it's actually called the Leo in Louisville. It's the Louisville Eccentric okay. uh, Observer. Um, but they have a whole section in the back where people can post ads. Um, mm-hmm. If you know if they're looking for music gear, if they're selling music gear or bands that needed a guitar player or or a drummer or anything like that. And um, I uh, saw an ad that that said uh, um, rock band looking for vocalists with experience. Um, uh, you know, must have previous demo. Um, so I called the number and, uh, and, uh, Jason answered. Um, he just happened to be less than a mile down the street from where I was living at the time. So I, I grabbed one of my demos and, uh, headed over to his place that day. And, um, we started working on music that night and, you know, flaw basically was born that night. That's crazy. How, I mean, how much can fate be that he's like literally like a mile down the road from you? Like, that's just, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. Yep. I mean, especially a city um, that size, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And when you guys started writing that night, did you come up with the name that night? When did the name flaw come into place? And I mean, it's pretty, you know, apropos considering what you've talked about in terms of your history, but, you know, tell us a little bit about why you guys decided on the name for that, that for the band with that too. Um, no, we didn't come up with the name that night. We were still just kind of throwing ideas, um, you know, back and forth. You were, we were still kind of feeling each other out to see whether or not, you know, we had the same, um, the same musical taste um, that we wanted to go in the same direction. Um, but, you know, we found that out pretty quickly. Um, I mean, within the first two weeks of us, you know, starting to work together, um, we had written two or three of the songs, um, two or three of the songs that ended up being on our, on our first major label release. Okay. Which songs um, were those on the ones on through the eyes? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, inner strength, uh, we wrote, mm-hmm. uh, very early. Um, let's see. 
we wrote a song called Anorexia, which um, ended up becoming uh, Fed Up, which is actually a different version um, of oh, the song. Interesting. We, mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of like the song morphed. It's, it's, um, it's weird. Like sometimes you write something and you know it's not right. So you kind mm-hmm. of, you know, shelve it for a while. And then, right. um, you know, it may be six or seven years down the road and, you know, you pull That's that cool. song back out and you revisit it. And you have all kinds of new ideas, and all of a sudden the song becomes worth putting on a record. That's so cool. that's happened Very with several cool. of our songs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So as you said, uh, but you we guys... didn't. But oh. we didn't actually come up with the flaw name. Oh no, I'm sorry. Um, Go ahead. We didn't actually come up with the flaw name until probably maybe a month later. Okay. And where do you remember a little bit? Can you kind of reflect back to where were you and and how that name kind of came to solidify? You know, you're like that's going to be it. Um, uh, yeah, we were at, uh, we were at the rehearsal space and we basically, um, had spent, you know, several days kind of, you know, bouncing names off each other. And, uh, we, um, we basically put some more names in a hat and voted on it. And, uh, it's kind of funny too, because, uh, I, I didn't vote for that one either. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I did agree that we need something, you know, Simple. short and sweet and to the point yeah. and, um, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't think that we needed a name with like four or five words in it. Um, you know, something that was, you know, easy to stick in someone's head. Um, and, uh, you know, so I didn't hate it, but it wasn't the one I voted for. <laughs> who was, the, who was the one that initially threw that one out there? Uh, I'm sorry, what? Who, who threw that name out there? Was it Jason or one of the other members? I I think it was Jay. Don't, Don't quote me on that, but okay. I think it was Jay. All right. Yeah. All right. All right. Cool. Well, I think it's it's a great name. I think it's got a lot of substance to it. And I'm sure. Again, you know, each of you can relate to it in the own, you know, your own way, so to speak. So, you know, fast forward a little yep. bit. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about, um, you know, you guys put out three independents. You do the American Arrogance. You do Flaw, and then you do Drama. And then let's delve into, you know, you start to um, do a showcase for Universal Republic, right, at CBGB's, which, wow, that's a blast from the past. Um, tell us a little yeah. bit about that and, and how you, you know, get recognized, and no pun intended, when you're hit singles, um, and eventually sign with them. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, tell us a little bit about that as we start to, you know, move forward. Okay. Um, well, basically, um, we started to put out our own demos. Um our our uh, very first um uh work um american arrogance we put uh, actually it was so long ago we put it out on a uh, cassette tape which is wow. <laughs> which is kind of funny when you think back to it um right and uh so there was a local record store in town called ear ecstasy um and uh and it wasn't a chain it was you know it was kind of a mom and pop place that really you know supported local music um and they had a section where they would basically sell, you know, only local bands in this section. And you didn't have to have a record deal. All you had to do was, you know, have a product that you could give to them. And they would almost mm-hmm. sell it like on consignment. Um, okay. If, you know, if they, if they sold it for six bucks, you would get three. And so um, we dropped our, uh, our first CD was the uh, white paper CD. Uh, that was our first full length. Uh, we dropped that off. And uh, about 
four or five months later, we got a call from a management company uh, based out of L.A. Um, who had just happened to be in town. Uh, apparently, he was visiting some relatives, and he said that he always stopped in that record store because, you know, he loved the vibe and the feel, and they sold a lot of music that a lot of other larger chains wouldn't touch. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he always made it a habit because he worked for, you know, a management company. He made it a you know, habit to kind of go through the local section and just, you know, pick out a few things that jumped out at him. And he just happened to pick our CD up. And wow. uh, he wanted to fly us out to L.A., uh, wanted us to showcase in front of a whole bunch of different labels. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, we, you know, jumped at the chance. Um, now, this was before we showcased uh, with uh, Universal at uh, CBG. Okay. Um, uh, this first management company, actually, um, we showcased in front of probably 10 of the largest labels on the planet. And we got a couple people that said they were interested, but nobody really did. And okay. so we came back to Louisville after that kind of, uh, you know, a little discouraged. Um, sure. And, uh, and, you know, instead of deciding to tuck our tail between our legs and, you know, you know, kind of put it to bed like a lot of people do in that situation, um, uh, me and Jay sat down and we decided the best thing to do would be to kind of regroup, um, you know, revisit all the songs that we had written, kind of break them down to their core and then build them back up, make sure that they are – the absolute best that we're capable of, you know, putting into them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and I'll give it another shot. And so we, you know, we ended up parting ways with that management company. Um, and about a year later, uh, this is after things started to, I mean, you know, things locally, we were pretty much the biggest band in Louisville as far as, you know, our draw wow. and as far as people, mm-hmm. you know, knowing who we were. Um, and so, you know, that kind of helped us, um, in a lot of ways, um, another manager who was based out of Louisville at the time just happened to go into the same record store, actually. It's, it's kind of oh, crazy. That's funny. Um, right. Yeah. And, um, and the new CD that we had put out ourselves, um, that's the one called Drama. Um, he had come across that, and he absolutely loved it and said that if we were willing to give him a shot, he guaranteed he could get us a record deal, you know, based right. just off that CD. Um, wow. And, you know, we were a little hesitant at first because of what we've been through with the other management company. They kind of, mm-hmm. you know, put us through the ringer. Um, they made a lot of promises they didn't keep and, and right. all that stuff. So, um, uh, you know, we sat down and talked and we decided to give him a chance. Um, and uh, about four months after starting to work with him, um, he uh, called us up and said that he had a showcase for us um, at CBGB's in New York and, you know, that we'd be up there for a couple of days and that we needed to basically play the show of our lives. And um, right. wow. so, so we packed our bags and we went up there and we gave it 110%. And uh, two days later, we had a full major label record deal from Universal Records uh, on the That's table. Amazing. And this this guy that that went into the shop and picked up drama was he affiliated with anyone or was he an independent person who just maybe knew some people that he was you know that he connect could connect bands with? No, he 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 was not affiliated with anybody. He he wow. basically um, uh, his his brother had had some minor success in music and so he made some contacts uh, through that. Okay. Um, but he basically you know was solo by himself. Um, wow. From what I understand, uh, he, he um, I mean, you know, there's probably eight different versions of this story, but from what I understand, right. <laughs> uh, 
he uh, flew up to New York with our drama CD, and um, uh, Monty and Avery, uh, Monty and Avery Lippman were the two heads of uh, Universal and uh, Republic Universal at the time. Um, and uh, he basically sat in the lobby until, <laughs> um, like, he refused to leave until they agreed <laughs> to listen to it. And wow. and after they heard it, Crazy. yeah. And after they heard it, they they uh, um, they said that they were going to start drafting up a contract. That's amazing. What a blessing, right? I mean, wow. Can, yeah, absolutely. You can't have the stars align better than that. That's great. I was honestly, when I was in the meeting, you know, they called us into their offices, and I didn't know, you know, exactly what they were going to say. Um, I mean, at the time, you know, artist, artist development deals were really popular, which those are unheard of right, now. Right, of course. But at the time, right. those were really popular where they'd say, okay, we think you have potential. We're going to, you know, put you with this producer. He's going to help you work on your tunes. And in six months, you know, we'll come back and see what's up. That's what I was expecting. And okay. they sat down and they, and, and uh, we were all sitting around a table and uh, they put a contract on a table. It was a much bigger contract than I have, you know, ever would have thought. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a full, it was a full on, you know, two album record deal. And I just, great. I mean, I just, I just broke down into tears, honestly, like, um, cause I, I just, after everything we've been through, I, right. I didn't lose faith and I didn't lose hope, but that mm-hmm. was one of those things where, yeah, I mean, I, I felt, I felt so truly blessed that I didn't, I mean, you know, I kept on apologizing for crying and they were like, don't worry about it, man. It happens. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I mean, just yeah. reflect back to what you said before you even had this opportunity for that guy that picked up drama and brought it to them. You know, you guys went back to the drawing board. I mean, look at all the hard work you did. You know, you went back after whatever didn't work out with the initial, <clears throat> you know, management deal, whatever you were signed with. And you, you really put the effort and you broke those songs down and you said, okay, we got to, like you said, make these the best we can make them. I mean, that's, that's yep. serious business to be able to be constructive like that and to be able to look at your music. And, you know, like you were saying earlier, you know, people having egos and arrogance and thinking they're the best. You know, you guys went back and said, all right, we got to tweak some stuff because maybe something's not as good as it could be. So, I mean, that's amazing. Thank you yeah. for sharing that. Yeah. Cool story. Really cool. Um, so that Thanks. then led to, of course, through the eyes and endangered species with, with whole and payback and recognize, you know, all great songs. Um, what happened eventually? And again, with what you feel comfortable sharing, of course, you know, there was definitely eventually left universal. There was a hiatus for a while with you guys with a bunch of lineup changes. And it sounds like maybe just some, you know, interpersonal discord and things like that. If you want to just, you know, briefly touch on that and then we'll jump into uh getting up to speed in 2000, I guess, 13 or 14, when you started to, you know, write again with uh, Jason. Um, okay. Well, basically the first record, um, uh, we, we actually, um, uh, we were signed and we came out right around uh, the whole internet explosion. I mean, this was, this was, um, wow. uh, this was, you know, before the whole Napster lawsuit, you know, with Metallica and all right. that stuff. Um mm-hmm. And so the first record did extremely well. Um, mm-hmm. And this is back when labels were actually putting, you know, a good amount of money into marketing and stuff. You know, this is back when MTV was actually playing videos. And this right. is back when, um, you know, there was several rock stations in every major city, which is not like that anymore, unfortunately. But um, uh, so when it came time for the second record, 
Um, oh, we were also supposed to deliver a record, um, uh, two records, one per album cycle. And uh, 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 labels consider an album cycle, you know, roughly a year, maybe, maybe, uh, you know, 14 months. Um, okay. And so because of the success on the first record, they actually toured us for like over two years on it. Um, and we really had very little breaks in between, you know, touring, you know, overseas, you know, all that stuff. Right. You're right. Exactly. Um, right. and so it came time for the second record and, uh, yeah. almost the whole team of people that were around us on universal, you know, all the way down to the marketing guys, to our A&R guys, to the radio promo guys, everybody had either left or been replaced. So, you know, we oh had a whole gosh. new team of people mm-hmm. that had no vested interest in, in the band. Um, and, uh, and then you had labels that were kind of freaking out because of all the downloads. Like they were losing mm-hmm. millions of dollars a day because people were burning music as opposed to buying it. Um, sure. So, you know, a lot of CFOs of the larger companies, you know, started freezing their assets until they could figure out, you know, how to, you know, fix the situation or, you know, deal with it. Um, so needless to say, we didn't have as much time on a second record. You know, we were kind of, you know, rushed and hurried. Uh, not trying right. to say I'm not proud of it. I mean, you know, no, everything no, no, we did on the record, but... you know, came from the heart. But there's, right. you know, a lot of these things came into play, and that, you know, ups our stress levels. So we were kind of bickering, you know, internally more. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, uh, excuse me. So the so the second record didn't, you know, didn't get any videos to MTV. Um, only one single was pushed to radio, as opposed to with the first one, we got, you know, two really. Right. Solid videos that were pushed to MTV. Mm-hmm. We got two solid singles that were pushed to radio. We had ads in every, you know, Mac, um, um, every magazine, every rock mag, um, you know, from circus to hit parader, uh, all that stuff. Um, right. Uh, the second record got like maybe a tenth of that push. Um, and so, you know, you know, the way these larger labels operate is, you know, they have a meeting once every two weeks or once every four weeks where they, you know, discuss every artist and how they're selling and, you know, how they think they're going to do in the future. And when they compared our numbers from the first to the second record, um, we, uh, we didn't, you know, meet up to their standards. So we got dropped. Um, And uh, that's kind of when everything else started going downhill. Cause I mean, you get the whole rug pulled out from under you and it's really hard to continue. We did continue on as flaw, even after being dropped for about four months. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was, it was just, uh, it wasn't yeah. the flaw that we knew. Right, you know, everybody was at each other's right. throats. Everybody was blaming everybody else. And, and, um, you know, it wasn't the cohesive unit that we once were. So, um, that's, you know, pretty much in a nutshell, what happened, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, when we broke up in like Oh six. And then at that time you, you know, you did some side stuff. You had the five bolt main, which is a great band. I mean, that was, I mean, you only had, you only had one album with them, right? Was it just venting? Yeah, yeah, we only did one record. I mean, yep. Yeah, and just real quick, just a brief bullet on them. I mean, stuff was excellent. I mean, you know, I love that music. What happened that that Thank was you. just so short lived? Um, well, that was you know more of like a side project. Um, okay. That I, that wasn't something that. Um, uh, you know, we signed to an independent label. Um, um, they had right. major label distribution, but, you know, um, it was an indie label thought, thought process. And, and, uh, and, you know, we toured on it for a while. Um, you know, once again, extremely proud of that record. Um, yeah, but great. a lot of the guys in that band that wrote the record, um, 
or they wrote the record with me, um, they they kind of, you know, had this timeline expectation. Like if we didn't get to flaws level um, on the first record within, you know, let's say eight to ten months, then they were going to throw the talent. Uh-huh. And gotcha. I didn't know this in the beginning, but, you know, mm-hmm. that ended up coming out in the end. Um, and, you know, I don't blame them in a lot of ways because – um, the uh, drummer Ivan, you know, he's a great guy. He went, um, he went back to college and he got his master's degree. Um, nice. uh, let's see, um, the uh, guitar player, um, his family owned an accounting firm, and so he went back to work for them. Uh, the other guitar player was a lawyer, and he went, you know, got hired by another law firm. So you know, they okay. they basically so they made a, you know, they made, yeah, they made an adult decision. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and. So that's when I decided um, that I would, you know, pursue a uh, solo record. Mm-hmm. And that's how that came you, about. Right, right. And that was the redemption, correct? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And how long did you – now, was that through an independent label too? And you toured on that for a little bit too, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was also through an independent label uh, with a major label distribution. Um, and uh, toured on that for probably maybe a year and a half maybe two um okay and uh that you know that kind of ran its course and 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 you know towards the end of that running its course um is when i started you know talking to the fall guys again about possibly getting back together okay so it really kind of was like a perfect timing situation um uh and uh we you know we kind of threw the idea around um uh you know we didn't jump right on it at that time but um but you know we at least opened lines of communication about getting fall back together at that point. Um, nice. And uh, yeah. And uh, probably within a year or so after opening those lines of communication, um, you know, fall was back together writing again. And that was all the original members, correct? That when you guys got back together around 2013, 14. When we first got back together, it was yes. Okay. Yep. And then you had a few lineup yeah. changes in between. Okay. And um, yeah, why don't you do yeah. just at least, you know, introduce all the guys now. I know you're still working with Jason, and then you have uh, Dan Johnson, I know, on drums, who I read plays with several other bands, it looks like, too, um, including, right, Red and Love and Death. Yeah, yep. Um, and uh, uh, Dan is a great guy. Uh, we're, we're extremely lucky to have him on board. Um, he's a, you know, he's a solid player. It's one of the things that that was kind of missing, um, you know, when Flaw got together with the original members, uh, was, you know, the, um, you know, the do or die mentality, you know, the, the, the willing to do whatever it takes to succeed mentality, um, Mm -hmm. just wasn't really, you know, it wasn't really back, but, you know, with guys like Dan and I mean, you know, with Jay, it's never really gone away. I mean, you know, him and I started this project, you know, almost 20 years ago with, you know, just me and him sitting in a basement and, right, um, right. and, uh, you know, no matter what lineup changes, you know, happen, um, it's still, you know, we still, you know, maintain that kind of mentality that, you know, that we feel like, um, you know, we work really well together. Um, we write re- uh, really well together. Um, you know, we might fight like brothers sometimes, but we always make up and, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, just felt like we had more a lot of more material to release that we didn't get to release before, you know, that it ended prematurely. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, we got Jay on guitar. We got Dan on drums. Um, we've had some issues with bass players, but, um, 
Um, we've got a guy right now who's going to be flying out out of Texas. Um, I don't really want to make an announcement on that okay. until he gets okay. here, <laughs> just because sure. um, he's um, he's in Houston right now, and okay. uh, we don't know what's going on with that airport there. <laughs> um, oh, that's uh, right. You know, with right. all the flooding and stuff. Right. Yeah, but right. but as soon as we get him to Louisville, because uh, we have our AP release show actually in Louisville, which okay. is awesome because it's almost like coming full circle. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's this September 1st. Um, and, uh, it's, it's, um, it's coming up this Friday. And so we're doing everything we can, um, you know, to get Mike, the bass player, you know, to Louisville. And as soon as he gets there and he's safe and sound, then, uh, then uh, we're going to make the announcement about him. (laughs) Cool. Well, congratulations (laughs) and good luck with, uh, good luck with Mike coming on board. Um, thank you. Yes, let's let's uh, let's see. You guys uh, talk a little bit about signing with Pavement. Um, you put out "Divided We Fall" last uh, August, and great album. I mean, seriously, Chris, it's just every song on that could literally be a hit. I've I've really thoroughly enjoyed Thank that you. album. So yeah, tell us about uh, how you signed with Pavement. How it came to be that you you hooked up with them, and I guess you know what was it about them that you know really drove you to say this is a good fit for us. Uh, well, basically, um, you know, we were shopping to other labels. Um, uh, you know, we had a record done, and um, we we knew that we wanted, you know, to go with a label that was, you know, less hands-on. Not, you know, a label that didn't act like a major as far as you know wanting to be in full control. Um, mm-hmm. We wanted to maintain as much artistic, you know, integrity and control as possible, um, but still find a label that you know, had major label distribution because, I mean, you know, you can be an independent label, but if you don't have major label distribution, then you can't get into record stores and you can't, right. you know, uh, it, it's, 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 you know, one of those things that is just a complete necessity. Um, and so, you know, we talked to a bunch of different labels, um, you know, some of them made offers that just, you know, we didn't like. Um, right. We felt like we had learned a lot by that time too, you know, we weren't going in green like we were the very first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, we knew more about the industry. We knew more about the business. Um, and, uh, I had known Tim, uh, Tim King, who is the VP of, of, uh, pavement. Um, yeah. he's also the guitar player for the band soil. Um, I know I, I had, him, known him, I had him on real quick, Chris, I had him on years ago when he released the album whole, and um, he was right, great. Okay. We did like an hour and fifteen minutes, and he just he had a he had a ball. We just went over some really cool stuff. So yeah, I know who you're talking about. He was great. Uh, yeah, he's a really good guy. Um, and uh, we we've known each other from you know way back doing shows together with Flow and Soil, and uh, and you know so I talked to him several times. Um, uh, you know he gave me the rundown of what you know what type of label pavement was. You know what they were able to offer, um, and. Uh, you know, we kind of sat down and made the decision based on that. Um, it was, you know, it was pretty much perfect timing because we had been, um, you know, on social media and on our, you know, website and stuff, you know, we had been promising fans, you know, a new record for mm-hmm. like over a year, <laughs> um, you know, because wow. we had the material written, but, but, but we hadn't decided on a label and we had no way to actually get it out. Um, so it was one of those, you know, like perfect timing type situations. They, they, um, uh, you know, we didn't want to go really far in debt, so we took no money up front. But we had already finished the record; we were able to deliver that, so we didn't go further in debt. Um, right. And 
yeah, I mean, everything, everything just, you know, worked out perfectly. And, um, you know, so far we've been really happy with them. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, this new EP, um, is coming out now, but we still have another record that's going to be coming out, uh, like the first quarter, either first or second quarter of 2018, that's going to be released on pavement also. Awesome. Um, Awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. We're just really happy to be, I mean, you know, happy and also thankful to be able to do this. I mean, you know, it's hard enough to be, you know, a successful musician, um, in, in this, in this industry, um, you know, especially the genre of music we play, um, mm-hmm. it's hard enough to do that for four or five, six years, but I mean, you know, we're going on 18 years now and, uh, and that's, you know, that's just, it's, uh, it's you know, amazing. truly a blessing. It is. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. I mean, seriously, congratulations. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, I loved when I, you know, when I heard uh, bleed red come out again, probably over a year ago on octane, I was like, Oh cool. Flaw's back with some new music. You know, I was really excited about that. <laughs> and then, Live and Breathe is just phenomenal. I mean, there's so many songs off that album. Um, you know, I love, uh, let me see. Hold on, I wrote some of them down here, too. Do You Remember Remember is great. Um, Fatal Fall is awesome. When You Grieve. I mean, yeah, I mean, every song is just really, really good. So let's uh, let's dive into a little bit. So that was a full length. So what made you guys, did you just had planned to do like a, an EP follow-up? Is that, was that the plan versus, like you said, waiting to put out another full length? Um, no, actually, it 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 wasn't the plan originally. Um, okay. The the songs, um, um, you know, truthfully, the songs that are on the EP are the B sides to uh, "Divided We Fall." Um, okay. They were songs that um, we always write. You know, okay, like uh, let's say a label wants you know ten songs on the record, they want twelve songs on the record. Sure. We always write four four or five songs more than they want, so that we aren't you know, stuck with just those songs. We can kind of pick gotcha. and choose which ones we feel, you know, go together best. And, you know, so we had these four, four or five songs sitting around um, that were just basically collecting dust and they weren't being released, you know, and, um, you know, people were asking about, uh, you know, certain songs that, you know, they had maybe gotten a snippet of if we had played it live or something, you know, mm-hmm. what happened to this or what happened mm-hmm. to that? Or are you guys ever going to release this? And so, um, so, you know, Tim called up. He's like, hey, what do you guys think about, you know, releasing all the B-sides as an EP? Um, and, uh, you know, so, you know, we threw the idea, you know, back and forth. Um, and uh, we decided that adding a couple live tracks from, you know, these recent tours sure. we've been on, you know, to the B-sides, you know, would be a great addition. And, um, you know, it would be something worth releasing. And we felt that the songs were important, you know, to get out to people and that they needed to be heard. So, um so that's how it came about, but it wasn't actually planned like this, you know, from the beginning. No. Okay. Okay, cool. Well, no, it's some, like you said, it's, it's some great additional tracks that you had that I'm sure your fans are going to be, you know, pleasantly uh, surprised to be able to purchase and hear. So let's do this. Let's uh, one of my personal favorites. Cause I had, I had asked the uh, media coordinator if you guys had a specific single, but it didn't seem like you necessarily did so I said if you don't I'd love to play you know one of my personal favorites which was um I'll carry you um it was just sure. it stood out to me immediately when I heard it Chris so you yeah, why don't you talk a little bit about that song I mean the lyrics are again of course your very typical unique uh deep emotional y- lyrics and if you can tell us a little bit about who that song's about I know you do write very open-ended which I think is great because it leads it open to interpretation for your audience and your fans right. but um 
yeah, if you feel comfortable sharing a little bit about what the song, how that was meaningful to you. Sure. Um, uh, well, this actually, uh, you know, goes back to one of the things we touched on before um, uh, about my support for the military. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I had a lot of, you know, I had a lot of friends coming back from uh, overseas um, uh, over, you know, the period of time when I wrote that song, um, the uh, lyrics. Um, and uh, I had I had one friend in particular, you know, of course, I'm not going to name any names, but sure. um, he was he was, you know, he was having a hard time, uh, you know, reacclimating and kind of adjusting, mm-hmm. you know, to being home. Um, and, uh, and, you know, just touching on different forms of, t- of uh, PTSD and, 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 uh, you know, some of the things that a lot of these soldiers, you know, go through over there and then bring back home with them. Um, right. this is basically, you know, my way of saying, you know, look, thank you so much for everything you've done for me and for us as a country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thank you for all your, you know, sacrifices and, and, you know, I know it's tough um, and it's going to be tough, but I'm your brother and I'm here and anytime you need it, you know, you can lean on my shoulder. If you can't stand up, I'll carry you. And that's, that's and that's great. what this song's about. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful song. All right. Well, with that being said, let's, uh, going to put you on hold. We're going to debut it tonight and then we'll come up come back and uh, start, you know, just touch based on some upcoming information with tours and some of that stuff. And then I'll eventually uh, let you go tonight. All right. All right. Sounds good. Okay, thanks, Chris. Hold on. All right, everyone. Chris Voltz from the hard rock metal band Flaw. We're going to check out their song. I'll carry you. As he just mentioned, it's a beautiful song. It definitely has a lot of relevance and I'm sure everyone hopefully can relate to this on some level. So here we go. The debut tonight, you're going to hear it first on The Carrie Edelman Show. I'll carry you from Flaw.
All right, welcome back to the Carrie Edelman Show. Again, I'll carry you by flaw. Be sure to pick up their EP, which will be out on September 1st. It is titled United We Stand, and uh, it's amazing. It's some really good stuff on it. As you said, they brought a couple of live tracks back, including Payback. So it's, it's a really cool EP, and it definitely uh, is a nice follow-up to um, Divided We Fall. So let's bring Chris back on. All right, Chris, great track. Really, really cool song. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Cool. Are you guys going to try to maybe release one of these, or is it just to radio, or no, this will just mainly be a, an EP for, you know, like you said, B-side stuff? Um, you know, that's, that's – uh, I don't really have an answer um, okay. for that. That's something that we're still kind of in talks with the label about. Um, uh, it's really all going to depend on um, – uh, you know, whether there's a budget for radio or not. Um, gotcha. So at this point, I really don't know that for sure. Um, I mean, you know, we're just really happy that, um, you know, that these songs didn't kind of back and collect dust, you know, that they were actually right. able to release this. Um, and, you know, or, or or on the flip side, not, you know, hold them back, um, uh, you know, and kind of force us to put them on, you know, another record, you know, because putting this out as an EP and not a full length, not an LP, opens up uh, our ability to put, you know, 12 brand new songs out on the right. new record that's coming out next year. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Cool. So we're just really right. happy about that. I mean, I hope that we do release a single, but um, that ball's not in my court. <laughs> gotcha. No, that's okay. That's okay. And if yeah. not, it looks like, you know, unfortunately, I mean, fortunately and unfortunately, 2018 will uh, be here before you know it. So I'm sure, you know, we'll, yeah. all your fans will look forward to, to hearing the new stuff too. But yeah, but cool. Really Good luck with this new uh, EP that's coming out. So, um, yeah, tell Thank us a little you. bit about you got an upcoming tour again. I know that you just got off the road not too long ago with The Killer's Confession. And uh, yep. who you guys, when are you going back out, and, and who are you going to be touring with, if you know? Uh, well, uh, the tour starts September 1st in Louisville, Kentucky, um, and then it uh, goes all the way as far north as upstate New York and then down the east coast, down into Florida. Um, and... Uh, it uh, lasts up until about the last week of September. Um, we're bringing out a main support act with us. Um, uh, they're called Rise Against Rivals. Um, okay. And uh, they're a bunch of great guys. Um, they, they just recently changed their name. Uh, some people may have known them as uh, Guns Out at Sundown. Um, okay. But they, they, they just recently changed their name. I, I, I think it was because of everything that's going on today. They felt like right. that was a little too abrasive. I'm not sure. I don't right. want to speak for them, but uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I got you. So uh, cool. Uh, they're our main support on the whole run. Um, we are doing some festivals. We just played um, the Make America Rock Again tour in uh, in uh, Milwaukee just this past Friday. Um, cool. With uh, with uh, Scott Staff of Creed, Drowning Pool, Adelita's Way. Um, uh, yeah. So that was a lot of fun. And then we have great. another festival yeah, coming lineup. up on September 9th. Yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, uh, we have another festival coming up September 9th, uh, which is the the Blue Ridge Rock Festival. That's in Lynchburg, Virginia, um, and that's with uh, God. I can't even I can't even name all the bands. Uh, everybody from POD to uh, uh, to uh, Everlast is actually going to be there too. Um, oh wow! So that's right. yeah, that's that's going to be a lot of fun. Also, um, and then we're doing a show with Trap. Um, at the Masquerade in Atlanta, Georgia, on this run also, and then the rest of the shows on this run are 
our headlining dates with um, with uh, Rise Against Rivals uh, as main support. Great, great. Well, it sounds like it's yep. going to be a nice run again for you guys to get back out there. And um, yeah, I mean, please uh, share anything else you'd like to Chris and <coughs> your social media sites where people can find you and follow you guys. And then we'll start to wrap it up tonight. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, our Facebook is uh, facebook.com forward slash flaw band. Um, uh, or it might be band flaw. I'm not sure you can try either one. Um, <laughs> uh, our dot com is, uh, is uh, flawband.com. Um, that is uh, definite. All our dates are posted on there. We also do bands in town. Um, and uh, so, you know, if you sign up for those alerts, it'll actually text your phone when we're, you know, playing and stuff, um, uh, when and where. Um, and then uh, we've also got uh, – we're doing a run in November uh, with Soil, which is um, – uh, the dates are going to be announced this Wednesday, but um, that's going to be a lot of fun too. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're just trying to stay busy. And, and if anybody wants to contact us, you can definitely hit us up on Facebook or our .com. Cool. Yeah, well – Thank you so much for coming on tonight, Chris. It was it was a great interview, and thank you so much for sharing everything you did. I think the audience would really, you know, enjoy learning everything they did about you tonight and the band, of course. Um, you're always welcome back on the show. When you, I'm doing a new concept, I'm going to start doing kind of the story behind the song. So if and when you do release a single for the upcoming new LP, you know, definitely be in touch, and we'll bring you on to promote that. But, um, yeah, it was an absolute pleasure, Chris. Okay, thank you so much. I appreciate the support. And uh, um, anything you know you ever need from me, feel free to call. All right. Thank you so much again, and best of luck with the new EP coming out. Okay, thank you so much. Hope to see you soon. Thanks so much, Chris. Have a great night. Bye. Okay, you too. Bye. All right, everyone. Again, Chris Bolt from the hard rock metal band Flaw. We featured tonight their song, I'll Carry You, and it debuted for the first time tonight on my show, which I'm very excited about. So please be sure to pick up a copy of their EP, United We Stand, which will be out on September 1st. As you said, there's a lot of tour dates upcoming, so go to their Facebook page or their .com site, and you can hopefully hit them up at one of their shows. So, um, yeah, if you're on Facebook, uh, please uh, follow The Carrie Edelman Show and like it. That's where you'll see all the updates for my upcoming interviews and more. Um, I'm also on Facebook, so you can befriend me. Love to keep in touch with people that way. And I uh, recently joined Instagram, so please uh, follow me on Instagram. I also promote all the interviews, both the live shows and the podcasts on Instagram. So thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in tonight. Um, I will be posting soon some upcoming interviews. And if for some reason you tuned in late, the podcast for the interview with Chris from Flaw will be available within the next half hour. You can uh, download it on my site or you can go to iTunes. I have all my podcasts up there, too. Thanks again for all the support, and please just continue supporting these entertainers and artists. Um, I'll take you on a really unique hour-plus interview with everyone I do, and uh, no interview is going to be a cookie cutter. So please join us each time when I have a show. Thanks again. Have a great night.